Welcome to the Inner Stoke Podcast. My name is Shane. This is my podcast. So I just arrived in Boulder, Colorado. This is my first time here. And originally I was in Buena Vista and I couldn't fit into the parking lot to do my laundry and the laundry was kind of expensive there. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to save my laundry for Boulder. And, you know, I looked on the satellite map and I saw this laundromat had plenty of parking. So I was like, I'm just going to do it there. So immediately when I get into Boulder, um, I go to this laundromat. I don't stop anywhere else. Um, I get my clothes in my bag, get my laundry detergent, hop out of my van, and I start walking in the laundromat. And I walk past this kid who's who I can tell is living out of his forerunner. And, um, you know, I just kind of walked by him, gave him a little head nod. And uh, I couldn't figure out how to get in the door. <laughs> But I was just, you know, made made a mistake. There were there were two doors, a right and a left door, and there was an arrow saying, please use other door. But it was pointing to the left door. So I'm, like, walking around the building looking for another door to the left, but really it was just the left door. And then I looked at, I looked at this dude, and I was just like, why does it say use the other door? And he's like, yeah, I did the same thing, man. It just means use that door. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm a freaking idiot. So at least I wasn't the only idiot. We had a connection there. And um, as I was walking out, I was like, so you're living out of your vehicle? And um, we just started talking and asked him what he does. And he actually, he's like a, he's like a modern day gold miner. He literally goes out and digs crystals and stones and gems and stuff and all that. And um, it was super interesting to hear that somebody makes a living doing that because I didn't know that sort of thing existed. And he got in to tell me about how he got his bag stolen. And it was like 30 to 40 grand worth of all the crystals that he just dug all summer. And I was just like, I felt for him. I was like, man, that's, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you. And right off the bat, he was just like, you know what, man? He's like, everything happens for a reason. He's like, I'm going to go dig, you know, this other place till this time, this and that. And I was just like, wow. I was like, I love this dude's stoke like that's that's amazing to me that you can lose that much money and lose your entire summer savings and still look at it as you know everything happens for a reason and still have a positive attitude so like midway during our conversation i was just like you want to be in my podcast and he's like yeah dude let's do it so finished my laundry my van was parked in the parking lot we just hopped in my van and we started recording um after that um, we went and chilled at a campsite together, um, woke up, we went to this sick breakfast spot, and then we went down by this river and got our river showers because we both live out of our vehicles and that's what we do unless we can find real showers. So um, I think it was an epic podcast. I had awesome time. His name is James, by the way. I don't think I said that. But um, yeah, so this is the podcast and I hope you guys enjoy it. So I just arrived here in Boulder, Colorado, and I stopped at the laundromat to get my laundry done. And I ran into this dude in the parking lot, and he seemed like a very interesting fellow. So I decided to have him on the podcast, and here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, I'm James. <laughs> this is James. All right, man. So <laughs> James was telling me that he he lives out of his forerunner, 
the forerunner. Mm-hmm. Right. He yeah. travels full time and he digs rocks for a living. And at first, I was like, you know, a little taken back by that because somebody tells you they dig rocks for a living. It's kind of weird. Oh, but yeah. oh yeah, you get a lot of weird looks. <laughs> when you tell people that they're like, you wait, you dig what? Rocks? Okay. But then you pull them out and you show people. And yeah. Their faces change. Then he started showing me these things and, like, telling me, you know, about the market and how he makes money doing it. And um, he was telling me a story about how his bag got stolen. I'll let him take it from here. Oh, yeah. So, basically, I've been uh, I've been out traveling for the last six months. Since quarantine started, my job slowed down. I just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to go do what I want to do. And so I left Arizona, went into the mountains, and I dug in Arizona for about a week. It got too hot, and I came up to Colorado, dug around there for a couple months, went to California, Oregon. How do you find these spots? Uh, well, there's, there's a couple different ways. You can do the old school way and just look at the geology of a mountain. Yeah. You kind of have to read the stone. There's certain things you can look for, certain signs, colors. Is there like an app? Uh, <laughs> not that I know of. I, do, I just read books and talk yeah. to old timers, and they tell me the tricks. Because that's the best way I've figured out to learn is you go find the old guy on the mountain and you say, so, hey, what do you look for? So you pretty much dig for gold, but you're just, it's it's rocks. Yeah, so, okay. like, there's a lot of people that go out and do the, the dig for gold, silver, platinum, yeah. whatever. Lots of people go out for metals. Metals are pretty common. Not a lot of people think to go after crystals, minerals, and, uh, you know, just valuable gemstones, things like that. Because mm-hmm. most people just have this notion that for some reason they're just inaccessible without grievous amounts of equipment and effort and money which isn't necessarily true a lot of these things you can find buried a couple feet below the surface of the dirt yeah you just have to know where to go Mm -hmm. so there's a lot there's a big community of people that dig so a lot of the stuff you learn is word of mouth and we uh we all chat with each other you know show off crystals compare do whatever if like somebody finds a big ass crystal somewhere will you go to that spot if they tell me where it is, yeah. yes. Or they, oh, okay, so it's yeah. secret. So, I got you. Well, you know, it kind of depends. Everyone's a little bit different about their spots. I like to be pretty open about where I find things because I really enjoy being able to share the experience of yeah. digging up a beautiful stone. Uh-huh. It's just like a life-changing thing. I want anybody to be able to do that. So I generally, you know, I won't tell people specifically where to go, but I'll say, hey, you know, this five-square-mile mm-hmm. area, go here, look around, you'll find stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot that happens like that there's a lot that i found just by random chance like when i lived in arkansas first time i went digging i just wandered back into yeah. the woods and happened across a pocket of crystals and was like oh shit Does this it get is territorial dope. oh yeah on antero yeah. so a couple of years ago i was talking to one of the locals up there he said he stopped digging up there because it was like a war zone people were like claiming on other people's claims yeah. and like pulling guns on each other and the holy like, shit oh yeah dude the freaking federal lands office in town wasn't like enforcing claim borders so someone would claim an area and someone else would come in and try oh. to claim the same place, and you get two people there who say they own the rights to that spot. Yeah. And so how do you claim something? So it, when you want to claim something, you go out, you figure out what's there, and the first thing is it can't be on, like, national forest or um, private land. If it's on private land, you got to talk to the landowner, yeah. whoever owns the mineral rights. But if it's on public land or wilderness area, then you can claim it. Just for free? No. Oh, so okay. you have to go down to, you basically, yeah, there's, there's always a fee involved. Yeah. The government wants their fingers in everything. Yeah. Gotta have theirs. But anyway, you go down to the federal lands, like the Bureau of Lands office. Yeah. 
for your local town and you show them on a map you say hey I found this this and this here I want to claim from these four corners this area and then you go out and you place claim markers and the city gives you these little signs that says federal mining claim claim owner blah 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 dates active very so cool. on and so forth so that way you know nobody can touch your shit yeah, yeah. you have it marked out and if someone yeah. touches your shit because if somebody sees you digging they're gonna yeah. be like okay this guy's been here for two weeks he's fine and shit yeah and then you leave and then all of a sudden you come back the next day and yeah shit's so all there's up. there's a lot of you know claim jumping and stuff like that that goes on in the place i dig wow the things you find out that you do oh, dude exist. like you think dude, this was just old yeah. freaking like gold mining in california no sir this dude, is still happening today i was in encinitas and i was talking to this guy at the top of moonlight yeah and he about metal detecting yeah and he's pointing out this one guy he's like this guy just shows up out of nowhere blah 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 he's like we're all you know we're all coming together to push him out. i'm like what he's like oh yeah he's like it's very competitive down here he's like you gotta earn your right to to metal detect down here i'm like i didn't know this existed <laughs> oh dude there are some people that'll try to be like that about it but like you know, you can let them have that power over you. Yeah. You can just be like, no, fuck imagine, you, dude. I, imagine, can, I can be here as much as you. Yeah, imagine, like, your uncle or something buys you a stupid metal detector for yeah. Christmas, and you go out, and this guy walks up with his metal detector, and he's like, you can't metal detect here. I'd be like, <laughs> I would fucking hit him with the thing. I'd be like, what are you <laughs> talking like, about? Yeah, I can't metal detector. <laughs> it's okay. crazy what you find out. So, oh, yeah, dude. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. You're good. So, anyway, like, where I dig on Antero, it is claimed by someone. But I went into town, and looked up the claim owner and bought a license from him so oh, you can okay. go to the claim owner and you talk to him and you say hey no i'm here from this date to this date or i want to dig you know so he can just own it forever every year they have to renew it so and you have to pay a fee so to, the, every year. to the land's office okay, every gotcha. year to hold the claim and the place i was digging at the top of the mountain it's been in their family for like four generations wow so like it's so nobody can just come step in front of them and take it. Yeah, no. Okay, so like, yeah. if someone else wants that claim, they would have to voluntarily give up the rights to it I or gotcha. sell it to them. Very cool. So yeah, yeah, we we have something similar with like clamming license where I'm oh, yeah? from, and like my buddy, um, he got one that got handed down through like his his family through generations, oh, nice. and like they're almost impossible to get. And like these kids can go out on their own boats, like center console, like. 20 24 foot boats easy and just dig clams and make a hundred grand a year just scraping clams off the bottom and dredging for clams like it's so cool but they protect it so not everybody can come in and fuck it up so the abalones in california used to be like that till they shut it down like i have an old friend out there he's a salty old abalone diver well not anymore he dives for urchins now because he can't dive for abalone but he used to go out to the fair lawns and he was like facing down white sharks every day and shit yeah he was a badass but, uh, dude, he used to make about eight grand a day. Eight grand a day? Yeah. Doing what? Just diving? Just, just diving abalone. What is that? Like, and he wouldn't work every day because, you know, weather and such, but he said he was... For gold? Up. No, just abalone. What is that? Like the shellfish? You don't know what abalone is? So abalone is, like, <laughs> the freaking, like, filet mignon of the sea. Okay. Like, it's... And, like, California red abalone... Uh-huh. It's, like, the most coveted of all abalone yeah. in existence, basically. Like, there's a huge, huge black market in California for abalone. Okay. People die over it every year. It's, it's nuts. There's a huge area in San Francisco that if you are a fishing game officer, you don't go there because you'll get shot. Yeah. 
because that's just where all the shit goes down. Yeah. And um, so there's a huge trade over it. But back in the day when it was legal, like, the commercial divers could just go out there and freaking stack. Yeah. And they would bring them back into town, and you could sell them for, like, $300 a dozen. Wow. And they would get, like, you know, 10, 12 dozen at least a day and just... Interesting. Go, and they'd, they'd clear a million a year is what he said. Yeah, I have... A bunch of my friends, like half a dozen of them, are scalpers, and then oh, yeah. a few are longliners. And dude, it's a whole lifestyle out there. Dude, I love the ocean lifestyle. Yeah. Like they'll go out in like closed areas, like that, like specifically for them or whatever, you know, yeah. enclosed areas. And then places they can't dredge for like years at a time, so the scallops can grow, and then they're yeah. allowed to dredge in those places, and like got to buy permits and all that shit. It's the old school hunter gatherer yeah. way of doing things. So, how long you been doing this, dude? Um, this is so I've been digging for about four years on and off, and I've been doing it as a job for about six months. How old are you? I am twenty-five. Oh, nice. So, still young. Still a young buck. Yeah, getting there. But um, yeah, so just randomly got into it. Not really. I mean, like I said earlier, I lived in Arkansas for a little while. Um, I drove through Arkansas. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. It's interesting because, you know, it's the south, and yeah. the south has its ups and downs. But as far as the Wachita Mountains and the Ozark Mountains go, holy yeah. cow, it's beautiful. So I got into digging crystals out there because the Wachita Mountains are, like, the best place in America and one of the best places did, in the world to dig did crystals. Did you know people that were doing it or you just randomly got uh, it? I heard about it on the internet. Okay. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go down there and find something. So I just went down there and That's found, cool. like, this random road, drove back it. And before I knew it, I was digging crystals. That's cool. And I was like, yeah. okay, I like this. And so I kept going back, kept going yeah. back, got better at it, started studying geology, crystallography, and all this cool shit. And it all just kind of started coming together. So, you know, I was working the electrician job in Phoenix. And the desert was hot and miserable. and my boss was an asshole dude there's yeah the whole nine there's too many pointy shit out there man. oh dude everything wants to fuck you up yeah literally everything wants to kill you the sun the sun the the scorpions the snakes a lot of the birds the cactuses actually the cactuses are bittersweet because they'll keep you alive in a pinch they're full of water but they protect that water with a lot of spines yeah I almost got lost in the desert and it was like (laughs) there was a moment where I was just like you know what? I was like, now you know why people get fucking lost in the desert so easily. It's like oh, it's easy to heat, do, man. The heat fucks with you. Everything looks the same. Oh yeah. And you're just like you're was, like, wait a minute. You're like, was I here? Or was I there? Or you're like, yep. Oh fuck. You get those birds out there. They're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear like a fucking crow go above you, and you're just like, this. Like, they're waiting for me to die. Yep. <laughs> Literally, they're watching. They're like, yeah. Is this is this one gonna stay out here? No, the desert's intense, but it's a cool place. Like where it. do you, like, where do you find your best rocks? Is it like desert? Mm. Is it like mountain? Well, it depends on what you're looking for. You said you were in Oregon too. Yeah, so I was in Oregon two weeks ago. I drove from there to here in one night because I had an art expo to be at. It took but... me like four days, dude. <laughs> so I got held up by the fires. I had to stop. I left on time and I yeah. had to stop for two days. And I had an art show here to be at. Yeah. So. I freaking slammed from there to here. What did you, you set up at the art house? Um, yeah, it was like this private venue that's like an annex to the, one of the Denver shows. 
and they were doing this like benefit dinner for the boys and girls club or something they're like oh we need some artists and i'd actually met the girl that was putting it on and camping out in the Terriel Mountains just outside town here mm-hmm. when I was first here and she bought a piece off me and really liked my work and I'd shown her and cool. friends a bunch of rocks so she called me up when I was in Oregon and was like hey do you want to come present at this art show we're gonna have a lot of people yeah. it'll be good exposure you'll probably make some sales and I was like yeah that sounds dope it's smoky as hell here yeah let's go to Colorado so got stuck at a rest stop for a night and then one fire was really bad so I decided to divert and dig sunstones which is a really good choice because I got a lot of good ones a lot of which were uh, in the bag that disappeared, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, so lost my train of thought. In Oregon, taking oh, for yeah, sunstones. Yeah, yeah. So went out there, dug for sunstones, and then slammed out here. I hit Salt Lake City, or I was at the Salt Flats, like right at sunrise. And you know that? Have you driven through the Salt Flats? I was in like the Salt Flats and like through Death Valley and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. I was riding so my one wheel. Well, Utah no. ones... I drove through Utah when I was dark, dude. Oh, dude. I missed Utah. Well, there's this huge sculpture in... That's what it looks like in the yeah. salt flats. And I hit it Oh, no way. And it's just freaking beautiful. But, yeah. like, it was a heck of a drive. I finally made it here, set up the art show. Um, yeah, it was a great art show. Make some money? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool, made some man. good money, and I had a whole bunch of, like, orders. I had, like, 1500 bucks in sales and, like orders that needed to be done Uh and so I got some of them done I was camped out by Gross Reservoir for a couple days just working on wire wrapping and stuff came back into town was hanging out in Denver with a buddy of mine and after hanging out at his house I was putting all my stuff back in my car and I was unlocking one of the uh, locks in my roof container and like the key bent or actually it wasn't my roof container it was my door the key bent and so I had to open up the roof container and get my tools out freaking bend my key back mm-hmm. and so in the for all of all that i completely forgot that one of my bags was still sitting on the sidewalk so i you know get the key bent back straight make sure it starts my car start my car i'm like all right dope i'm good to go hop in the car and drive off a couple mm-hmm. minutes later come to realize oh shit i don't have my bag yeah turn around and come back it's gone yeah and that was like everything since i've left arizona yeah. and then some i had stuff from arkansas i had Arizona digs that I'd done while I was working there. Ah, oh, dude, it was some shit. So I was really pissed about that for a while, a day or so. And then I was hanging out with, like, one of my oldest friends. Uh, my oldest friend, actually. When you were telling me this, you said everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, I love this dude's vibe. I <laughs> love that. So oh, yeah. that's why I want well, you like, on the podcast. Yeah, it was, it was really unfortunate that it disappeared. Like, you know, that was... That was quite a bit of money, eight months of work. Like, you know, I put my heart and soul into dig, digging those rocks. Like, you, know, you have to climb freaking mountains every yeah. day, carry all your shit up to the top, dig all day. You don't always get some. And, like, when you do, that means a lot to you. Do you, like, dig near water? Or, like, uh, or you just pick, a pick a, like, a place where, like, a ridge meets or something like that? Well, it depends, because you kind of look for, you know, you look for science in the rock. Oh, okay. So, like, gotcha. if, you know... Like, say you're looking for smoky quartz and aquamarine. Mm-hmm. Those will occur in granite. So you go to the granite, and you start looking at the granite, and you look at how it's formed. Yeah. I just want to be specific, because, like, some kid listens to this, and he's just like, I'm going to go find crystals, and just goes and digs in a random spot. I'll probably well, not find anything. Yeah, you know, there is that <laughs> so, approach, and I have dug a lot of holes and found nothing. Yeah. So what I would say is if you want to find a place near you where you can dig crystals, go on to Google and Google rock-hounding areas near me. 
And so oh, cool. the so Federal uh, Lands Bureau, they actually have established a lot of areas. Like one of the places that I dig in Arizona where I got these really cool amethyst, it's like a federally established dig area. And they protect it so that commercial companies, like Can't big, big in. mining companies, won't go in mm-hmm. and destroy the land. Cool. So if you're like a small, single-person operation, no problem. Yeah. But if you want to go with backhoes in there and stuff, they, what's, they won't let you. What's the potential? Like, I hate, like, I don't, I'm not someone that, like, cares about, like, the number that you can make a year. Oh, yeah. But, like, how much could you make a year? Like, just you by well, yourself. If you were to... Like, if you were experienced, you you know... Oh, if you're experienced and you know exactly what you're doing, where you're going, and you have a clientele where you can efficiently and, you know, properly sell everything on time... So you'll sell to, like, manufacturers or, like... Oh, I've sold, like... So you can sell at gem shows, which is, like, Tucson and the Denver gem show. Uh Those are the two big ones every year. So the Denver show actually ends today. And the Tucson show starts up in February january actually uh-huh. in tucson so what you do is you basically spend your whole summer season digging and getting what you need whether you got to go travel to other countries uh travel around here yeah. you, you just you go do your work and then you take everything to these shows and that's where you can make your real money because yeah. a show is advertised for you mm-hmm. and you get a lot of people coming in that will pay anything yeah. for a rock so i have pieces of amethyst and that shit up there yeah and i bought them at a shop yeah so like those shop owners didn't go out and fucking dig these they probably bought them at a show yeah so they bought them so at a shows show. are where you can go to get bulk stuff because you'll okay. have miners that come in and they've just got you know rough crystals out the wazoo and they say hey we don't want to clean and process all these you know 1500 a kilo they're yeah. just like you know something like that and then as a shop owner if you put a little work in you can turn it around for you know five grand a kilo or whatever yeah so it's it's really good for everyone all around and whatever else you don't sell you know like all my jewelry and stuff most of that sells through instagram yeah. and word of mouth cool. like i've had a lot of people to get a piece and then another friend will call or you know message me on that account or whatever and be like hey can we get one started or i want to buy this other one yeah. that you just made so like the jewelry goes quick man i can't keep that shit around for you just have like a toolkit that you work out of yeah so like the wire wrapping is really unique in that you don't need any electricity or a studio to do it uh-huh. like i can put everything i need in a backpack go walk 20 miles out to a lake sit there and just enjoy the good out. vibes of that lake put that into a piece of art and walk back very cool and like that's a really cool thing to be able to do yeah and it really makes for a unique style and energy that you put into what you is that how you do your pieces you set them up like that for the most part and i like to do them like if i can help it i like to do them near where i dug what i'm wrapping and i'm working toward where i only exclusively make jewelry out of what i've what i've personally dug or what my friends have personally dug because i want to get it to like be to a point where I can put a rock in someone's hand or a piece in someone's hand and say, hey, I dug this from the ground. No one else has seen it. No one else has touched it but you. Uh-huh. This has never been, yeah. like, through any of the scales or processes yeah. of the world. Like, this is direct to you from the earth. See, that's cool to people. It is. It's it, it connects them to, like... Because that's what you know, <laughs> buy jewelry for. It, it gives them an experience. It makes them feel connected to what they're doing, and it, it really helps them identify with like the whole process of what it takes for that to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure making a million dollars a year would be cool, but I'm sure that's not even your goal. You just oh, you enjoy what though. you're doing. <laughs> so, like, 
Honestly, though, like, if you were a hustler, oh, dude. how much could you make a year? So, if you're good. If you're, like, if you're good, dude, you could clear, like, multiple millions a year. Millions? Oh, yeah. By yourself, digging up crystals. By yourself? That's what I mean. You'd like, have to be, yourself. like, you'd have to be really, really good and know exactly where you're going and how to find it. Yeah. That's when you could get to the millions by yourself. The best people, though, they usually have a crew of three to five people. And you've got, you know, people that take care of different things. You've got the people that are the geologists and are really good at figuring out where to go. You've got the people that are just, you know, more so brunt labor. And they're just there to be like, hey, geologist says dig here. All right, let's freaking dig. And, like, you know, they get the work done. I got And you. then you got, you know, the brains, the operations, food, camp people, transportation, whatever. You know, yeah. you all work together as a unit. And that's where it gets a lot better. But for me right now, I'm still just trying to figure out where to go, what to do, and I'm establishing my contacts and connections. And I have people that have expressed interest in um, working with me next summer. I've got a couple people that I'm going to be doing some tours of different areas with. So you'll travel with them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so cool. they've got their vehicles. So it's like the van life community. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And we all just go dig rocks and have a good time. That's rad, but man. Yeah. I didn't so, know this existed. Dude, so on <laughs> Mount Antero... Two, two hours from here. The top of that, that claim I was telling you about, last year they popped about 40 pockets of minerals. The most valuable one that they opened was $3.5 million. Holy crap. That was one pocket. They popped 40. 40? I got into one pocket of smoky quartz up there, which I wish I could show you, because holy cow, they were like, they looked like obsidian, dude. Yeah. Jet black, but water clear when you held them up, and they were but I'll find more of them do you find that pocket of clusters yeah so the way you so there's a couple different kinds of like ways to find crystals in the rock because crystals grow in cavities way down inside the earth where so like we'll take Mount Antero for example because it's a perfect perfect example of how crystals grow you have a giant mountain that was formed volcanically and in the bottom there's hot springs so the top of this mountain gets snowed on every year, yeah. and then that snow melts, and yeah. the water precipitates into the mountain, carrying minerals down with it. Uh -huh. Those minerals, after a long, long time, you know, hundreds of thousands or whatever years, those make it down to the lava beds, where they are heated, and then they rise back up as a gas through any chamber, crack, or crevice in the rock they can find. Uh -huh because gas is just getting pressurized and cooked and you're basically just getting this giant pressure cooker inside the mountain. So as all that gas rises, the mountain keeps shifting and moving as the geology just you know cycles as it does. And all those minerals and gas pockets begin to move away from the magma. And so as they cool, all the minerals that were in a highly excited state from the heat and intensity of the lava begin to slow down and the uh, the liquid or air or whatever that they're in can't hold as much because it's cooling so they uh -huh. begin to crystallize and it's just like you know when you put salt water in a glass and it dries out and leaves all the salt behind yeah that's salt crystallizing okay. so exact same thing just different minerals uh -huh. so all of these minerals grow in the mountain and then as the mountain shifts and moves every year as the ice heaves and contracts and expands and melts and freezes yeah. all of that gets churned up to the top so you get these areas where there's the rock and you can follow the cracks through the rock the same places that the gas or liquid would have moved through yeah and you follow these cracks to where they open up and inside those you'll find areas of which is basically like just a geode 
in the rock. Yeah. And it'll be an open area where there's crystals growing. And sometimes it's full of like sand and clay, and other times it's just like wide when open. you see a cave and you see crystals all around the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Basically, that's a giant pocket. Yeah. So you're okay. What that would be is if you get in a crystal cave, they call those a bug, and that's like a geode you can crawl into and yeah. stand up in. And we we saw a couple of those in Washington. Are there one? Are they worth a lot of money? Oh, dude! If you get into one of those, like, you can be pulling crystals out of there for a lifetime. Like, there's this one place in uh, North Carolina. It's a giant volcanic vent, and goes up hundreds of feet. And there's amethyst crystals up the size of bowling balls all the way up and down it. And like, literally, it's a lifetime of work to get all that out of there. So, depending on what you find, you can be there for quite a while. Yeah. Or if you don't find it. Unless a big company comes in and just tears it up. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing about crystal mining is you can't just tear up the ground. You have to do it slowly or you'll destroy your merchandise. Yeah, true. So, like, with minerals and ores, you can just dig those up, smash them up, be as, you know, hardcore on them as you want, and you'll still be able to extract the minerals because they're doing that chemically. Crystals, you can't do that. You got to do it by hand. So, what's the big picture for you? So the big picture is, you know, I've, I've got a bit of a setback with uh, all my diggings from the summer being gone, but that is what it is, and yeah. I'm just kind of using that to fuel the fire, and I'm going back to Antero where I started, and I'm just going to go dig more rocks and hopefully, you know, find Canada? something. No, Antero, right um, in Buena Vista, just a couple hours from here. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So there's Aquamarine up there. And that's where the $3.5 million pocket came from. And last yeah. time I was up there, I caught a ride down the mountain with this guy who had a badass forerunner. Because there's a road that goes up there that I hike, but just my car won't make it because it's rough as hell. Yeah. But I was riding down with him, and he was like, hey, pop open the glove box. And I pop open the glove box, and there's a little, like, you know, about about 11-inch long by 4-inch wide black box sitting there. Yeah. So I pull it out, and he's like, open it up. I open it up, and I kid you not, there's a 10-inch long by, like, 2-inch thick all the way around aquamarine just like a cylinder yeah pure aquamarine wow and he was like i found four of those (laughs) each one of those was worth 80 grand wow and that was in one pocket he just had 80 grand sitting just sitting in his glove box so the thing about that claim though is when you find something like that there's a split with the mine owner because he owns the rights to the claim yeah and you dug on it so he had to give two to the mine owner because it's a 50 50 split on anything above 10 grand yeah so um he gave two to the mine owner, sold one, which is how he had that badass forerunner. He was just sitting on the other one. He was like, yeah, I think I'm going to keep it for a long yeah. time. I was like, I would. But yeah, that's the potential with it. You know, you go out there and you can spend four years where, you know, you have decent years, you find average stuff, but it only takes one day to put you ahead, like, you know, 10 years worth yeah. in financial standings. So, like, that's really what I keep reminding myself is, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the longer you stick with it the higher your odds of doing well are and it's just like you know it's just a matter of time if you keep doing it until you find something incredible yeah i used to watch um a gold mining show oh, yeah. on the history channel what's that called oh shit i don't remember i didn't watch a whole lot of tv it's like, is it gold Ru- gold rush gold rush yeah. yeah that sounds right and it was like the same characters for years and, and they all those dudes running around alaska yeah and they're trying to like dig million dollar millions of dollars of gold up every year and they were just like always failing and like always unsuccessful and like i just thought to myself i'm like why don't you just go out and do it by yourself 
Well, that's the thing is like on those shows, they made more money on the drama of the show than they ever made. Yeah, true. Gold. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of the joke of the whole thing is almost every prospect, not all of them, but a good amount of the prospecting shows and things like that you see out there. They make they're more just, on the shows. They're literally making more on the shows than anything oh. else, and they're out there just, you know, dicking around being theatrical. Maybe they find some gold, maybe they don't, but really they're just trying to get some good content for the season. Yep. And that's one thing you got to remember with it, but, you know, there's a lot of real folks out there doing it too, and, the, you know, if you step back from the drama of TV and you really focus in and you have a good crew that works well and they're not like all these old salty dudes who are uh-huh. arguing for 30 minutes of every episode, like... Yeah you get a lot of work done and you can move some ground like me and my brother when we were in Washington digging man we dug a hole about 8 feet back into this mountain by about 8 feet wide in a night net like a day and a night like we just went hard because we were finding good stuff yeah. and like when you find good stuff it's like you're invincible like you just get an energy rush every yeah. time it's just like it's incredible it's really addicting so like you just ride the adrenaline for as long as you know wherever you're digging keeps producing and then at the end you sit down and you light a joint and you're like wow wow I really need to eat and rest but holy shit that was fun yeah. and like does it does it ever make you think about like the days back in the gold rush oh absolutely all in? the time like when I was in Oregon I was talking with uh, the buddies I made out there that gave me all that dank and um they showed me this one spot out in the woods that they want to go look for gold uh-huh. and they wanted to see my opinion on it now, I don't know a lot about gold, but I know that it's the heaviest thing there is, and you want to go to the deepest spot on the bedrock. That's, like, basic gold 101. Yeah. Look in the cracks of the streams. Yeah, the pits, it's heavy. Everything, yeah. it's just going to go to the bottom. So they take me back into the woods, and I kid you not, it's like a two-hour drive back this bouncy old dirt road. And it was super fun, because, you know, we're all just smoking weed, enjoying the time, yeah. just heading back into the woods of Oregon. And we actually, it's actually down in California, because we crossed the California line way out in the woods, and about 20 minutes after that, we get out to this spot. And we walk off into the woods. There's like a little pullout. And we get back to this creek, and there's just this circle, circular hole that just drops straight down. And there's like a waterfall going into it, and then it like flows out below it. And there's just this whole like swimming pool area down yeah. there. But there's this just sinkhole, and it's about 25 feet wide by about 25 feet deep. Uh-huh. And the bottom's full of boulders. And so me and my buddy up there we're both certified divers and in the september you know before the rains but after the summer heat the stream is pretty low so we're thinking if we get some scuba gear go down there move those boulders like people come out of those mountains with golf ball sized nuggets yeah on the weekly at least yeah and like dude a place like that if you could have one of those systems like they have and that one show where they get on the bottom with the giant hose and start sucking oh, up yeah, the dirt. Oh, yeah, dredge. Yeah. We thought about that, but... It's probably illegal. It, it's probably illegal. Any... Well, I know any machine-operated mining out there is illegal yeah. without federal claims. You can do any hand-digging you want, which is why we would do the scuba thing, because yeah. it would just me, be me and him. We'd go down there. We'd rig up, like, some pulleys above, because it's like, you know, there's, there's a top of the hill on each side of the hole, so we'd just rig a rope across, pulleys to it, is the water clear? Uh, it's pretty clear, like decently so, but you know it's a dark hole, so you can't really see to the bottom unless the sun's like straight up. I mean, it's it's definitely the least scary place I've ever dove. Like the currents are a little bit of a bitch; they'll spin you around in a circle. But if you if you have a tank, it's no worries. You can get sucked into an underwater hole. 
You could, yeah, yeah, but that's why we use safety lines. Yeah, true. That was that was a trick we learned because you know I, I grew up in California diving out there. And yeah, man, it, the ocean gets wacky. And if you're if you're diving near shore or near any currents, like especially the abalone divers, they don't even use tanks; they use air hoses. Yeah, that they're just always yeah. connected to the boat yep. with. And that way, if shit gets hairy, their tender can just pull them in. Pull them, yeah. So, it's a. Uh, it's interesting, but yeah, we'll see next season if we go down there and move some boulders out, see if we can find some gold, but I haven't done the gold game much. But yeah, as far as, I don't know, to answer your earlier question, as far as like where I'm at right now, yeah, if what? I really focus in and do my work, I could clear 40, 50 grand a year. 40, 50 grand like, a year. Where I'm where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's and that's a- only going to go up from here. Dude, like, yeah, if you're living in a vehicle and you're living in a van, like that's... Yeah, and way like, more than enough money. And that's just like bless you, Bucky. That's that's a very conservative estimate. If I were to, because this year has been a lot of just driving around, checking out different places, most of which have been yeah. Pets. Next year, I know where to go. You know where to go, yeah. So my time is going to be far more efficient. So what would you say to a newbie? To a newbie who wanted to live in their vehicle or live in a van and do what you do. I would say just keep doing it like when you start you're not gonna know what you're doing i still don't totally know what i'm doing but like just keep doing it like that's all it takes you know even if you're walking around a mountainside for days on end finding nothing like why the hell am i here this sucks i'm walking up and down this mountain just digging in random spots yeah well not even random spots it's kind of crazy if you think about it well yeah you want to look for you know do your research see where the minerals are known to occur because our wonderful government did all these geological surveys in the late 1800s and early 1900s. So there's record of just about everything oh, where okay. to go for what you want. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's play- things they don't know about, too. But if you're just starting out, yeah, just look up a place to go. Go out there, start digging, and you'll find something. Like, don't be dejected if it's not, you know, a $10,000 piece your first time. Like, if you find one little point, that's a victory. Like, that's all it takes. Like, Have you ever known anybody that, like went out their first time and like found something epic oh yeah yeah dude, my buddy josh so <laughs> oh here we go dude so pisses you off doesn't no it? <laughs> no actually it, it did initially but then i realized like i wouldn't have ever dug in the place that this person is digging i mean maybe i would have but like i probably wouldn't have chose to do that so i get to witness this thing get dug up oh, okay that I might not have gotten to see otherwise. So you have to, like, yeah. you change how you look at it a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's not about what you're getting or not getting, but the experience of doing it at all. Yeah. And um, so I'm out there, and we go. This was the first time I went out to Arizona, and, dude, those freaking amethysts, man. Like, I think those are the crystals I'm saddest about losing. Like, all the aquamarine and smoky quartz, those were amazing. Like, love them. Those amethysts, man. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, we get out there, and we're walking out, and I'd never dug at this place before. And I have this weird thing when I dig sometimes. You'd be going along, and all of a sudden, you're just like, for no reason. You're just like, right here. I'm digging right here. You just pick a random spot. No, it's not even picking a random spot. You just, like, you'll be walking along, and you're, it's just like, you don't even really make a conscious decision. You just see something on the ground, you're just like, nah, I'm going to start digging right, and it just happens. And then all of a sudden, something pops up. So I like I was walking along and I saw this one place on the ground and there's a little bit of moss there. So I was like, oh, maybe it hasn't been dug because there's moss. If it had been dug, there wouldn't be moss. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna dig here real quick. And the guy was like, hell yeah, I guess. 
like, I guess we can dig here. Because it was me, my j friend Josh, and this dude that was showing us around the place because he'd been there for a couple weeks, and he wanted to go further up the mountain. And I was like, I kind of like it right here. He was like, oh, we're kind of close to the road. I don't know. I feel like we should go up the mountain. I was like, all right, just give, give me a second. And so I started brushing back the dirt, and this little baby, like, first point I find is this little purple point. And normally everything up there is clear. Yeah. So the first thing that pops out is purple, and I see this dude's eyes get big. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. And so we all start digging. And about 20 minutes later, I, like, scoop back the dirt, and there's, oh, shoot, I still have one of the big amethysts. But that's in Arizona. So the first big amethyst I found... Um, it was like right there on the surface just eight inches down it was big old like six inch long beautiful stone and I'm freaking out the guy's freaking out because normally you don't get like yeah. big old plates of quartz out there they're usually like one to two inch little kind of diamond shaped things which are really cool and bright and uh -huh. shiny they usually don't get big like that Yeah. so I pull out this fatty and I'm like oh hell yeah so I put it aside take another scoop another one comes out yeah. and like we're all hooked now and so I found these two real nice big ones. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, this is dope. Put them aside. And my buddy is digging five, ten feet from me. And he was, like, digging through this ant nest. And he was really conflicted about digging through the ant nest because he was like, I'm destroying their home, but I just feel like there's something right here in the yeah. center of this ant nest. So he was, like, going through kind of a, a little emotional conflict. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I just hear him start laughing. And I look over, and, like, there's this huge heart-shaped just white and purple clear with these little specks of manganese everywhere in it and i'm just like what was it? it was it was just big old crystal like two points like right next to each other and then like it sloped down to a, like a, a just heart a shape. big heart shape dude crystal. just like a big old heart shaped double crystal wow and i was just like holy shit you just made mine look like chicken how shit. much is that worth uh his it's probably worth well over 1500 1500 at least just for finding that yeah like mine the two i pulled up it was probably the first one's probably a 300 dollars rock the second one maybe five wow so like if you get into the right places man like you'll find you know hundred dollar rock after hundred dollar rock just yeah. end on end how long do you plan on doing this for uh i don't know yet forever <laughs> i mean as long as i can stand to because there there are other ambitions i have in life but, do, you, do you know any old heads who have been doing it their whole lives? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I met this guy on Mount Santero, and it bums me out because one, one of the pieces I found on Antero, most people don't know about this crystal. It's called phenakite. Uh-huh. And it's one of the rarer ones on the planet. And the interesting thing about it is you can take that crystal and put it in the freezer and freeze it to, like, zero degrees. And you can take a piece of ice and set that zero-degree crystal on it, and it will start to melt it. You heard me right. Huh. So, yeah, the crystal woo-woo people will tell you because it's because the the energy field of the crystal is so strong that it, it displaces keep, the yeah, water molecules the of the ice, yada yada. Which is yes, but no. What it really is is a thermonuclear effect where it conducts what's called dielectric charge faster than water can. So dielectric charge is temperature. Uh -huh. So temperature moves just like electricity or water or any other form of energy. It's going to be conducted by certain things better than others. So phenakite conducts dielectric energy incredibly quickly. So water would conduct it at like, you know, say one degree per second. Phenakite mm -hmm. conduct at 10. So it's just returning all that charge to the environment and back to a state of like balance yeah. faster than the water can. So it doesn't matter how cold that rock is, 
it's not melting it, it's just transmitting charge. I gotcha. And that's one of the cool things about crystals is when you combine crystals and electricity, and this is kind of when I, where I want my path to go eventually, yeah. you know, your cell phone here, your microphone is working because of a quartz crystal in there. All of your clocks, your computer huh. processor chips, all of that is working because of crystals. Yeah. Your com like your screen, it's an LCD, liquid yeah. crystal display. Everything Funny, that we have in technology is all crystals. I mean, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people think crystals are just like woo-woo and all this stuff. Well, there is a lot of strangeness to them. I'll grant that, and I won't discount everything that's said by the spiritual people because I've had some very strange experiences since I started digging. But there's a lot of it that's also just kind of hearsay, and there's, there's not much to corroborate or back it up. So you kind of have to use discretion when you're doing your research about it and, you know, make your own decisions, uh -huh. use, your, use your critical thinking and your logic and yeah. figure it out for yourself. And it's, I don't, it's really cool, but later on I'd like to get into the, the whole science side of things, but for now, I just, I just wanted to dig cool rocks. Yeah. I mean, that seems like the fun part is digging it. So, like, oh yeah, you could, like, put on your pack and, like, just go out to this site, hike into it. And like mm -hmm. set up tent and just like chill there, yep. pick a freaking rock, then you bring it back to your vehicle or whatever, and then you go find another spot, like hike into this epic spot with the rock, wire wrap it, make it look, make it into a piece of art, and yep. then you sell it and make money. Yep. That's a freaking rad life. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I, you know, I grew up, I loved rock climbing, hiking, yeah. all that stuff. And I was like, well, shit. As long as like, it stays beautiful like that, and it's not just like, oh, I got to go dig some rocks up, and then yep, like, yep. oh, I got to wire wrap some rocks. Like, as well, long as it stays yeah, in dude. that practice like that. Well, that is one thing that this whole losing my bag really did clarify for me, because yeah, you know, it was like 30 grand a shit. That's a lot of money. That was going to be my whole sprinter yeah. van for next season. Like, Damn, dude. That was, that was my ticket. But shit, I could remedy all of that in one day on Antero. Yeah. And had I not lost my bag... I might have not gone back to Antero, and I might have been stuck at thirty grand on Antero. Shit, I could come down there with a million dollars. Yeah, like it's not unfeasible. And yeah, as long as you keep that good energy, exactly, and that's like it'll come to you. It, there was never, there was never a moment where I thought like, angry oh, digging. Fuck this, I'm done. Like yeah. I lost my shit. I, I, it's not even worth it to go get it again. Like that, that was never even like yeah a question. Yeah, it was like yeah, it sucks, but it's your babies. Like. You did all Fuck, that. I love to do it. I'm gonna go keep doing it. I'm gonna all do that, it that much harder now. All like, that digging and all that work. Yeah, dude. But like, I don't know. It motivated me. Like, yeah. I was like, okay. It, it almost felt like a challenge from the universe, being like, all right, yeah. you proved that you can do this dude. for a season. Now, if I take it all away, yeah. are you still serious, dude? That's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because, like, you just told me you lost like 30, 40 grand worth of shit, and you're just like, everything happens for a reason. I'm like, yep. who the f <laughs> dude? Like, you have to be that way. If you're not, you're gonna destroy yourself. Like, you will put your mind and heart into such a hell yeah. that everything you love will become like your worst fear and your worst, like, it'll become your bane because you just attach everything negative to it. You never actually accept and let go of what yeah. happens and that's like the important part yeah. about everything and like reminds me in life you know the rocks are cool the rocks are great but it's about your personal journey it's about your personal growth yeah. and what you're learning what you're doing out yeah. here the people you're connecting with like yeah. that's what makes it important and when you let go of things it creates room for growth oh, and other things to come in so, so yeah 
Like I said earlier, that might have just been a really unintentional investment to the Karma Bank. We'll see how it goes. I, th I think in my heart that maybe somebody, higher self was like somebody right. was going through the worst time ever, and oh, like, bro. like maybe like their kid needed money for surgery or something like that, and the universe aligned that to happen. So the person that got your bag, hopefully, that's what you know. That's what I want to believe Dude. that they needed it more than you did. Yeah, yeah, I really hadn't considered that a whole lot. Like. I thought, you know, my initial reaction was, ah, oh, someone's being hella selfish. Yeah. But, you know, that's selfish in and of itself to think. So you can't be attached to the material mm -hmm. about it. And, and that's the hard lesson. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in your situation. I can't tell you how to feel, but that's what I would try to push my mind to think. Instead oh, dude, of like, it's, it's... Some asshole took your bag and fucking dude. went to a pawn shop or something, or went to a... Dude, I even, like, I walked around to every pawn shop and oh, rock man. shop in that area. Like, I was oh, on man. a bender for, like... That sucks. That whole day, I was just wandering around like, where are my rocks, man? But you know what? It'll probably never happen again. Probably not. No. I know better. You'll be more careful. I mean, not to say that you weren't careful. It's just oh, yeah. shit happens. Yeah, you know, I, I did kick myself for it quite a bit. You can't get caught in. Yeah. Got to move forward, which is why I'm excited to go back to Antero, because last time was my first time up there, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I still did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now I do know what Now I'm you doing. know what you're doing. And I'm going to be up there for longer. This so. snow affects your... Uh, yeah, it does. The ground freezes. But, yeah. Well, the ground's always frozen up there. About 18 inches down, you hit the permafrost. Okay. So if breaking granite wasn't bad enough, breaking frozen granite just sucks yeah and it's really funny there's this one spot they probably used because the claim owner had a uh, excavator up there and they probably broke into it by now but i was up there right at the start of the season there was this one spot where there's just like water clear ice and you could literally see an aquamarine crystal like uh -huh. i don't know how deep maybe a foot 16 inches or so down in the ice and you couldn't break through the ice because yeah. it was like right between two pieces of granite and you could shine a light down there and there's really nice aquamarine just sitting there but there's nothing you can do about it and like wow you can even take a blowtorch to it but it's just you know the wind is so bad up yeah. there like the heat just dissipates and it's, the granite is so cold right next to it the water like runs off and just refreezes right below it so it's like <laughs> it, it's just futile standing there looking at something you can't get yep, to it yep that's mama nature for you she's like yeah I got it but yep. uh, you can't have this one you have to work a little bit harder yep yep but I'm excited to get back out there it is kind of a bummer to hike a 14,000 foot mountain every day with 40 pounds of gear on your back, but it gives you good legs. Uh, it keeps me up. Yeah, I haven't done a 14er yet. Oh, dude. Come on, buddy. Doing a 14er is one thing. Staying up there all day and digging crystals is yeah. another. <laughs> and doing it for a week straight is a whole nother. But, dude. You just stay up there for a week? Yeah, dude. That's awesome. Bro, it's like an altered state of consciousness, because, like, you camp at tree line because there's no water above tree line, and, like, the top of the mountain is about a four-mile hike from Treeline. Mm -hmm. So you hike in with all your camping and digging and shit and everything, set camp, and then hit the top of the mountain, and, you know, it's altitude. So you're oxygen-deprived. You're really exposed. The mountain is, like, sloped really, really dangerously next to you all the time. The rocks are always shifting and moving. Yeah. And, like, you know, when you've got your head down in a hole, all it takes is one rock rolling down the mountain to smack you in the head. Yeah. And you're done. So, like, you got to be aware, you got to, like, understand what you're doing, where you're doing it, how it's going to affect the landscape around you, 
and all of that time, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting dehydrated because you're on top of a freaking mountain. It's dry and windy, and yeah. you're oxygen deprived, and, and the weather is incremental. And like, it's it's not a joke. <laughs> and a lot of these places, you know, I've found myself, you know, because I have all my climbing gear and stuff, I'll I'll rope myself in and rappel 50 feet down a ledge to check out cracks and stuff. And yeah. yeah, I spent two days in a harness in Arizona digging calcite out of the side of a mountain. Just like all my digging gear hanging off me and just on a cliff, just breaking rocks out, pulling out these crystals. Wow. It was beautiful. Yeah, I pulled off on the side of the road and I went and hiked down this little ridge line into this cave that I saw. Mm -hmm. And it was like, there was a moment where I thought of that, that movie. Um, it was like 27, what was it, like 27, 27 hours? hours? Yeah, 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 yeah. 127 hours. Yeah, yeah, when his hand was stuck. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm going down there by myself. I'm like, nobody knows I'm out here. I'm like, I could easily slip, fall, hit my head on something, knock Dude. myself out, and I'll be down here and like, nobody could find me. I'm like, these people got to be experienced. Dude, and I like, almost had that happen when I was in the Terriels. I made a stupid move and it, it literally almost killed me. Like, yeah, that's scary. It was, it was bad going out into the world by yourself like all these mountains i walk i drive past i look up i'm like people freaking climb these yeah. it's insane like well that's what you got to do for the rocks you got to go where no one else will go and the, you know everything's loose it's oh. it's wide open and lucky you all right mama making it work but yeah, yeah man it's it's the universe different. mother nature makes you work for oh, the good dude. stuff she'll make you work and then she'll humble you a lot too like, we got caught in a thunderstorm on top of Ampera one time. <laughs> Holy shit, man. I've never seen an entire head of hair stand up straight before, but I did that day. Like, you could literally hear, like, every rock oh, that wow. was well rooted in the ground, there was, like, an iridescent glow at the top, and it was, like, crackling. Just, like... Holy shit. And, like, you could feel the electricity in the air. Like, the whole top of, like, the crown of my head, when I first felt it, it, like... Yeah. It was an instant that it clicked, too, because I was facing north taking pictures... And, like, when I looked south, like, two minutes before, it was clear. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, the top of my head starts tingling, and I was like, I'm definitely not that stoned. I didn't smoke anything. This is weird. And I looked down at my hands, and they just felt, like, electrical. Yeah. And I look over at the person that was with me, and her whole head of hair was just like, and Holy I was like, shit. All right, we got to go. Let's, uh, down the mountain. And it started hailing like a son of a gun. And yeah. And wind whipping us, and it hurt. It was a bummer sometimes nature will just humble you like that and yeah. you walk out of it and you're like that's another one of those things that, like why I believe there's a reason for everything because that storm could have killed us like that yeah no second thoughts yeah I'm like the person when you when I hear lightning I'm like okay I'm one of those people who will get struck by lightning so oh yeah let me get the fuck See, out I'm, of here. I'm <laughs> strangely attracted to it I have a bit of that mad scientist vibe like I wanted to go put crystals on the rocks that were glowing and uh see what happens and see what they do because weird shit happens when you electrify crystals yeah. but the girl I was with was like no we need to go yeah. I was like alright you're right I'll probably kill myself anyway let's go so but dude I wanted to do it so bad I thought what would happen probably nothing but yeah. I just had this weird notion I was like put a crystal up there let's see what happens <laughs> but hey who knows but yeah nature's cool like that right on dude yeah but yeah I don't know that's a yeah little synopsis of what I do sort of yeah basically like the whole point of my podcast it's called the inner stoke podcast it's like mm. what keeps you stoked like keeps that inner stoke going what keeps that fire going and oh, like yeah, dude. so like when I run into like you know certain people that like are inspiring and stuff and like have a cool stories it's just like i want to share with other people so like other people have you know something to take from that and oh yeah you know. 
maybe teach somebody else too, or like, hey, you know, listen to this podcast, and you know, you may change somebody's life. So, Thanks, man. well, I appreciate the opportunity to yeah, dude. Thanks for being words. on the yeah, f- the fact that you drive around in your vehicle and you hike epic mountains and live on them out, Bucky, for days at a time. <laughs> And dig up crystals and make money, and that's how you make your living. Like, Dude. that just fa- is fascinating. It's so cool to be able to do that. And, like, that's what God made me to do, man. Know. It feels right. Right on, dude. Pleasure meeting you. And yeah, dude. Thanks for coming fun. on, dude. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. So, where could they find you? So, my Instagram handle is Crystalline Keys, all one word. And if you want to look me up on Facebook, same thing. Um, Can you spell it for him? Uh, yes, I can. C r y s t a l l i n e k e y s. All right, you heard him, folks. Go follow him on his journey. But you got stuff for sale, right? Uh, well, I did have stuff for sale, and then all my stock was stolen. So, I'm working on you getting new stuff, stuff up for, for sale. sale. It'll probably be up within the next couple of weeks. You know, I'm gonna go dig a bunch of new stuff off Antero. So there'll be some raw stones yeah. up there, some some fresh dug crystals and new wire works and all that yeah. stuff as soon as i can humanly put it there right on dude so yeah all right that's about it we're gonna wrap it up thanks yeah. again for coming on dude appreciate it appreciate it awesome dude. meeting that's you too awesome meeting you yeah man. first person i met in boulder yeah dude <laughs> pretty chill all right catch you guys on the next one